You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Are you a football fan looking for the latest analysis and news on the Jacksonville Jaguars? You're in the right place. Black and Teal, baby. Welcome to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Move those chains. Here's your host, Jordan. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 35th episode of the Gen Jag Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan DeLugo. I'm joined by my co-hosts. Both of them this week. We're happy to have Hunter. Uh, we've got Scott Klein. You can find him on Twitter at Scott Klein One. How are we doing today, Scott? Not too bad. <laughs> Hunter tried to get me get me off on the wrong foot. Yes, Hunter did try to get Scott off on the wrong foot. He was having a little bit of fun this afternoon. Uh, Hunter, who you can find on Twitter at Coach H underscore Evans, decided to pick up a little treat for Scott on the way over here. He picked up a Smirnoff ice, <laughs> placed it in the fridge. Funny guy. Scott was thinking we had some cool new can from Bold City Brewery and something in a Smirnoff <laughs> ice for him. The poor guy. Yeah. So the the episode got a little bit got started a little bit earlier than normal for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I thought it was a, a nice little gesture. You know, I haven't seen you in a week. I, I thought I'd start off. Right. It's great. I love. The, I love the cough syrup after after oh, yeah. taste. It's, it's, it's so good. It's just great. It's so good. <laughs> now I get to wash it down with this lovely Bold City Brew. <laughs> That's right. Get right into the uh, sponsor there, Scott. Bold City Brewery is the one and only sponsor of the Gen Jack podcast. This and every episode is brought to you by Bold City Brewery, who you can find online at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And make sure to check out there as Scott just butchers his poor. Oh my god. Uh, check yeah, out their true. website again at boldcitybrewery.com and check them out at their new location, which is on Bay Street downtown. Right when you get off the Main Street Bridge, you can go check out that new location. They've got all sorts of new, fun, experimental beers over there, and uh, they're just keeping it funky, just trying to make downtown a more happening place. They're doing a good job of it. So we've got a lot to get into here on the Gin Jack podcast. Again, this is the 35th episode. Uh, we've got Jalen Ramsey's back running after his surgery. He gets some praise along with his running mate over at the uh, other cornerback spot, A.J. Boye from 
another former NFL cornerback turned NFL analyst, Ike Taylor, uh, Blake Bortles. We're going to get into some talk about his red zone statistics and a deeper dive into just what quarterback mechanics are all about. Uh, we'll have our PFF minute, which is going to be quite extended this week. Obviously, there's not a ton of Jaguars news going on uh, in this dead period in between the offseason program and training camp. So we've got a lot of stuff that PFF released this week about the Jaguars. We will look into the wide receiver position in the AFC South, rank all those guys, and uh, see if we can come to a consensus as Scott continues to struggle over here. Now he's banging his, his hand on the table, unfortunately. He's going to get it together, though. The Smirnoff Ice is going to pull you through. <laughs> it's going to happen. We're going to look at Jaguars that have Pro Bowl potential in 2017. Uh, try to narrow it down to the five guys we think have the best shot at making the Pro Bowl. And if we have some time at the end, we will look at the offensive <laughs> roster spots and which ones are up for which ones are up for grabs who has a risk of not making the roster and we'll finally finish with our keep one let one walk this week it's going to be a really fun one make sure to stay tuned till the end of the episode for that but you can find Jen Jag at jenjag.com uh, we've got all the latest news analysis videos podcasts you name it we've got it and make sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar on Twitter at Generation Jag. So even though there's not a lot of real news going on, there's a lot of kind of fun stuff that happened this week. We all know Jalen Ramsey uh, suffered a core injury earlier this offseason or at some point last season. Basically, they figured that they had the time to do it in between the off-season program and training camp to get it done so it wouldn't potentially be a bigger issue later. Uh, And they got that surgery done, and he got back to running again this week, which he was very excited about. He tweeted out about that. So, obviously, he's the Jaguars' best player in terms of the now and certainly the future. Uh, So it's good to see him back up and running. And he and his... uh, his tag team partner, A.J. Boye, ranked the number one cornerback duo by Ike Taylor of NFL Network. Now, Ike Taylor's all over NFL Network now. He does the NFL Top 100. He's always talking about cornerbacks and just uh, talking a lot of football in general. I respect his opinion. Um, he's a knowledgeable guy, and he likes to have fun. and uh, It shows when he's on, on screen on NFL Network. So he ranks... Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Boye, the number one cornerback duo in all of football, you know, in front of Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib. There's yeah. some other nice tandems out there. What do we think about that? Yeah, the, the one you mentioned obviously comes yeah. to mind first. That To me, they're, they're, they're number one. I mean, you got, really, you got two really nice pieces in, in Ramsey and Boye, and they deservedly are in the top five, if not the top three. Yeah. But, I mean, just looking at looking at the past and looking at the numbers they put up, Harris and Tlaib, to me, are just on a different level than any other tandem. Now, I could be proven wrong because we Jalen Ramsey balled out last year without having somebody with of A.J. Boye's quality Absolutely. on the other side, as well as A.J. Yeah. So, I mean, we haven't seen these two together, and it very well might eclipse Harris and Tlaib. So, I mean, without, without a doubt, they're in the top three. I don't know if I would put them at number one. 
um, because I'm a bit more hesitant <laughs> about what exactly Jaguars have been able to do over the past few years. But fair. I mean, if they're in the conversation of one or two, yeah, that's, that's really good. For this yeah, moment. that's the thing. Like, you can debate whether they're number one or two or three or whatever, but just the fact that on paper, a pair of Jaguars cornerbacks is ranked that it's just high being talked about by yeah. national media again and again and again and again. You know, talk is cheap, but it's it's better to be talked about as a top three yeah. group than as you know a bottom tier group where you know quite a bit of the Jaguars. Uh, position groups have been in the past and some still continue to be towards the bottom of the league in terms of rankings. So I think it's awesome. Uh, Jalen Jalen and AJ in terms of futures, I would take them. Like if you're like, like if you're starting a franchise and you're not just playing for 2017, you gotta take them. Because yeah, like Harris is pretty young still, but Tlaib's no spring chicken anymore. Yeah, And uh yeah, you just got to take Boye and Ramsey there. But in terms of this year, I wouldn't take them number one. I'd probably put them two or three, like Scott said. What do you think, Hunter? If you're going off of the on paper, I think they're the number one. <clears throat> um, I mean, obviously, that's the first thing you look at. You can't look at their on-the-field stuff because they haven't played together. And, you know, being able to play together as cornerbacks is – I think it's an underrated skill. Like, you you got to be able to be uh, – Co- cooperate with each other, but you also got to be able to complement each other. Um, but on the when it comes to the on the paper, hands down, I think they take the cake. Um, when it comes to proving what's already happened on the field, I think you got to give it to the Denver crew. But you know, in five years from now, this is going to be, I think, a very dangerous defensive backfield and two corners that are going to be talked about a lot. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it's hard not to just smile looking at that defensive backfield for the Jaguars. It's obviously a little bit concerning that they haven't played together in uh, NFL game settings, but they haven't even played together in practice yet, the whole group of them. No. Uh, so that's something they're going to have to establish chemistry quickly. But Obviously, Gibson and Ramsey have played together before. Yeah. But, you know. I mean, they haven't practiced at all, really. Yeah, like I mean, Marone they said, haven't really Marone said, even yeah. Doug Marone said, that's not practice. It's not practice. It's, not practice. it's practice when they come back for training camp, when, Plus, you know, they really start going. Plus, one thing that makes the tandem even better is potentially the addition of Barry Church. Yeah. Having a guy who is capable of being a pass coverage safety right, and not and being pigeonholed into doing the same thing we, on first down. Also, they could, they could potentially be better together than either of them were as separates because they've got so, some different styles and abilities that yeah. they're able to do. They don't, they're not the same cornerback. And while the Texans have Jonathan Joseph and Kareem Jackson and some decent defensive backs, they don't have a Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. And the Jaguars last year, they did not have an A.J. Boyd. Mm. So putting them together on the same field – well, yeah, they need to be able to establish chemistry and work together. It could potentially, they they could be far greater together than either of them were separate. I think, I mean, two things. Like, one, when was the last time you've seen an NFL defensive backfield room that's been this young? 
and talented, not just young, but yeah. talented. I mean, you go from I mean the Jaguars every year. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like they're overly talented. We got with Boye, Ramsey, Gibson, Church, and then you go to you know Colvin. You got Peyton Thomas or Thompson back there. Peyton I mean, Thompson and Jared Wilson are great Jared Wilson. backups. I mean James Sample. You would think he's a good backup as long as he's available. Yeah, and I think with the addition of Boye, it's something that uh, Wash kind of hinted at a little bit, but it gives you the ability to send Boye or Ramsey back to safety, yeah. and you can bump <laughs> Colvin out to corner. Yeah. Wash even said that you might see Barry Church and Deshaun Gibson at, at outside corner. corner. Yeah. yeah, That's so I think the I think it's going to be fun. Like, it's going to be interesting to see what they do and if they actually kind of live up to what they're saying and kind of hinting at. Um, but the expectations and the possibilities are very exciting. I like I like the fact that they're even talking about doing something so out of the ordinary as far as putting a safety at outside corner. Tells me, well, okay, at the end of last season, defensive backs were complaining. Yeah. Because the same thing we were doing on first down at the beginning of the season, we were doing on week 16. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The same thing we were doing on third down at the beginning of the season, we were doing at week 16. So, I mean, it was just, just mix it up, you know, give different looks, give just... Well, I think Todd Wash limited, actually right? did speak about that recently. Uh, he said that he talked with those guys. You have uh, to. Yeah. And, you know, they all, they all fleshed it out and they're all good to go. And he said he didn't, he didn't like the way they handled it. Yeah. He said that type of stuff we need to talk about. In-house. In-house, yeah. So, uh... That's kind of a, a something to watch if you ever hear those guys chirping again about anything that they don't like with the defensive scheme, the way that's going on. You know that's something that's on Todd Wash's radar now. Right. Is that Would that ever lead to any uh, dissension or anything like that? Obviously, it's a non-story at this point. It seems like everyone's good to go and on the right page, but you just never know. Something to keep an eye on. If you start here, the... The chirping from some of those DBs. Hopefully, you don't hear that because they're just making plays every week. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it's gonna be an issue. I think I don't either. I think all in all, the defense like there's a lot of things that they can do. They're really you know, like the speed, the speed everywhere. It, like, yeah. it's, on it's every crazy. level of the defense, there's like different looks they can give you. Yeah, I, I mean the defensive that front, are really effective. You can get so many different looks from the defensive front. The linebackers can give you three or four different looks. By moving just a simple guy to a different spot, like I, I think having, and I watched a ton of Barry Church early, earlier in the in this off season. I think having a guy like that completely changes what you are capable of doing, because you're not pigeonholed into one yeah. particular thing. He can move in and be a linebacker on third down, and he's done that. Yeah, now Super, and he was absolutely fantastic as a box safety last year. But like you said, he pigeonholed you. Yeah, you, you know what he was doing. And if, and if he's not coming into the box and being a run defender, that's who you're targeting. And you're looking to throw to him. Yeah. yeah exactly. So it's like you're, you're watching what Jonathan Cyprian does and the play and what he does dictates what you were going to do on the play. Yeah. Yeah, I really can. Now, we're going to take a look back here. Obviously, like we mentioned, this is the dead zone in the NFL offseason. Really the biggest dead period in the entire NFL yearbook that this is the biggest dead period because you've got no draft to look forward to you're just waiting for training waiting for training camp uh so 
We're going to take a look back. I don't know if we're going to do this all the time because there's not that many Jaguars that are deserving, but or former Jaguars that are deserving. This week we're going to take a look at two former Jaguars and compare who we think should be in the Jaguars pride or the pride of the Jaguars. Who, who deserves to make it first um, between two players? Now, if you don't, if you're unfamiliar with the pride, it's basically just the Jaguars Ring of Honor, their Hall of Fame type thing. So, we've got Keenan McCardo, who at the pretty much the inception of the team was the team's best receiver. He emerged quicker than Jimmy did as the team's best receiver. In '96, when they both played together, Keenan was actually much more productive than Jimmy. Now, Jimmy went on to have arguably a better career and was certainly a more important Jaguar because he stuck around a lot longer. But Keenan was part of both AFC Championship squads. Uh, He was a big-time stat producer for the Jaguars. He was automatic on third down. He's a great possession receiver, and he also just made some incredible plays that weren't plays you would expect from a possession receiver. So we've got him. Going up against the Jaguars' second-best runner of all time, who did have some of the best rushing seasons of the Jaguars' history. Even even perhaps better seasons than Fred Taylor ever had. And that's Maurice Jones-Drew. He didn't do it for as long as Fred Taylor, but his star shone incredibly bright when he was healthy and uh, in good condition for the Jaguars. He had seven just dynamite years for the Jaguars, a couple of them split in time with Fred Taylor, but he was a stud in his own right. Which one of these guys do you do you guys fancy getting into the uh, Jaguars' pride first? And you know why do you why would you guys argue for that player? God, <laughs> I'm gonna say Keenan. I love Maurice Jones-Drew. I just think. Do we all? Can we all agree that they both deserve to? Yeah, get they both yeah. do. Okay, you're just saying like who's first? Yeah. I think Keenan's first. One, I think Keenan, and the, the the hard part for me is they're both like you can tell they're both Jaguars through and through, not just like they played here. Yeah, Keenan's, I mean, Keenan's I mean, come back coach, really, yeah. <clears throat> but and Jones Drew still talks positively about the Jaguars every chance he gets. Yeah, like, like when he's on NFL Network and the Jaguars come up, you can tell that's he's his a Jaguar. Team. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'd say Keenan. I just think when it comes down to it. You got Keenan McCardell, Jimmy Smith. That's two receivers that you can really name off the top of your head out of the Jaguars' entire history. Like I think for the most part, you can go with more running backs that are more uh, prominent players in the Jaguars' history than you can receivers. Well, I mean, like, because I mean, you can you can go what Jones, Drew, Fred Taylor. You got Natron Means. You know, Natron Means had two seasons that I, were decent, but you can name them. I think is the point. Like, yeah. When it comes to receivers, all you can think about is the complete disaster. Justin Blackman. Well, Justin Matt Blackman, Jones, Matt Reggie Jones, Williams. yeah, Reggie Williams, Sims Walker, like Andre Risen, like they're all just disasters. And that whole Thunder and Lightning, like that Thunder and Lightning era with Cersei and Vaselli and that that whole group to me is just so nostalgic. So it, well, it was hard. the best group the Jaguars have ever had. Yeah, and and it, it came so early. Yeah, so early, and I think we were spoiled. But I think we kind of overlook it a little bit. Um, I think it's got to be Keenan. I mean, at least first. Okay. And then Jones Drew, like, the next week. I, <laughs> I, I would say 
if there's a most missed former Jaguar, Keenan would be Keenan would be on top. Because I, for years after he left, you always heard, man, if we just, if we still had Keenan, yeah, you know, we yeah. you, you see him, he went off to Tampa, yeah, he, he went, went and won a Super things. Bowl and became a guy that's easily ahead of Jimmy Smith in terms of Hall of Fame credentials, yeah. which is sad because Jim. Jimmy was a better player. Yeah. So I mean, he, he you know he had great seasons here. Um, look, like if you, but to me, no one was more dominant in the position that they were in than Maurice Jones Drew. No question. He had probably the least amount of talent around him, and he led. Yeah. He led yeah, the league times, in rushing. At times when he was with the Jags, you know, uh, after Fred was gone, you're absolutely right. There was nothing. Nothing around not. him, and he just dominated. And yeah, he teams was, could not stop him. No. You knew that's what was coming. He led the league in rushing a few, or for one year. He was close to the top for several mm-hmm. years. And, I mean, my goodness, even his seasons that weren't, like, statistically amazing, like his rookie year, yeah. he scored a receiving touchdown, return touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. He scored from all over the field. And in his younger days... He couldn't even be caught from behind by anyone. Yeah. Like, he had that breakaway speed. Now, once he reached his prime, he didn't necessarily have that same speed. But he still had the burst. Oh, yeah. Just not the the long-end speed that you, he used to you have. You got him laying out Sean Merriman. Yeah. You yeah. got him hitting a hitting a hole, and then there's just the dog pile, and he just happens to squirt yeah. out the side and go yeah. for a touchdown. I mean, we he... He was fun to watch. We haven't... The Jaguars... For the entirety of their history, have relied on the running game, and they've always had a prominent running game. And then 2013 comes around; it's his final year. Oh He's been hurt. Yeah. You know, he didn't play much. And what have we done since? Nothing. But we've drafted does, people. We've tried to get people. Does in. his little holdout situation hurt? I, no. Everybody does. So? Everyone no. does it. Not at all. I'm, Odell like, Beckham is still like, his rookie year. He's holding to, like Shad Khan. I mean, that was Shad Khan's what first year. You don't, I don't think it does at all. I no. I mean, it's that's I don't a tough think situation. Sean that petty. Yeah, probably not. But I think it's that's a tough situation though. Um, Who for gets me? In for me, it's Mojo yeah. easily. God, I feel like I'm always against like easily. I mean, look, I love Keenan, <laughs> but Keenan did not have. I mean, he had he had the huge impact. You know, he was big in the playoffs. He was big for the teams that made it to the AFC Championship. And he's he's big on and off the field, just such a stud. But Maurice Jones-Drew was a better player, yeah. In my opinion, he just was. I mean, there was times where he was the best running back in football. When are we gonna get a defensive guy? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, we've got Brunel, Baselli, Jimmy, and Fred, and yeah. then the Weavers, obviously. Or when's Tom Coughlin gonna get out there? It's Rasheed Mathis has to be pretty coming up pretty soon. I don't know if Rasheed deserves it. Not right now. I think in a, in, wow. give it five or so years. I think he's the best defensive player. But what about like a Donovan Darius though? Or Donovan Darius, Tony Bracken, John Henderson. Yeah, Mark, Tony Bracken is an all-time leader in sacks. To me, yeah, I think Marcus Stroud and John Henderson are like two of the most dominant players. Though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they should go on there and like can they be, be like next to each other yeah. yeah they should be grouped together I just want a video I don't care if he goes on the ring of honor if we can have a video of John Henderson getting slapped 
Yeah, before a game, <laughs> just playing twenty four seven in the stadium somewhere, that would be that would be awesome. That'd be fantastic. If you're out there listening, Jaguars, do it. You know what to do. You know what to do. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna take Mojo. It's close. I want both of them to get in. Yeah. The only reason I say Mojo is just because I think at his best he was the only thing we had as as a team and he was like the best in the NFL as yeah. best. You knew the other teams knew what we were doing and they couldn't stop it. Yeah. I mean are you going to be sh- are, are you going to be upset or shocked if one gets it over the other first? No. I mean yeah. cuz like, they're both, they're both, both going to end up being yeah. there probably. They're both yeah. deserving. Yeah. They're both more deserving than Rasheen in my opinion. I agree. Yeah. I don't think it's close. Like, and I, I, I just I think love I just think that's the nature of football. Offensive players, offensive skill position players are well, always going to be. And I think part of the problem with that, like when you're talking about the offensive shining, like players shine from the offense. Like when we think about the like Jaguars defense, you just think about the whole defense. Yeah, like the black was, on black on Monday night, and it was and just the attitude, the, the whole Duval chant going. Yeah. And Welcome just, to Duval, prepare to get. Hit. I remember yeah. like a Pittsburgh, I like think. a nine-three game, <laughs> just just smash. That's, smash that, I think that's what hurts the defensive guys is when you think about those really good Jaguars defenses. It's the group. Like, yeah, you think of the entirety when you think of Marcus Stroud, you have to think of John Henderson, and exactly it's because they can. They, a lot of times they can only affect the play. Yeah, and they they can't always put up numbers. Yeah, it's with true. with receivers and running backs, you have something on paper that's like, look, this is this is literally how good they are by the number that's next to the name. Yeah. So, it, it, but I mean, but Rasheen, I mean, in the his just in looking at what he did historically, I mean, does Donovan Darius get it above Rasheen? I think that's opinion. debatable, and I, I I think I would have to go back and study it a little bit more, but I think it's very close. I mean, the hit I think, in Green Bay. I was about oh, to say, Donald Driver might have something to say about that. It's crazy <laughs> because, like, uh, Donovan just so represented the hard-nosed type of play yeah. that we were known for and embodied that, and, and I, I, he just he had that aura about him. Um, you just did not want to get close to him if you were an offensive player. And Rasheen, he also embodied Duval because you know he's a he is a he's Duval a, guy. He's from Duval. Yeah. He grew up. He had to go to Bethune Cookman. He didn't get huge offers. He didn't get or he didn't go to a big time school. He went to Bethune Cookman, and then you know he fights his way and earns his way up to becoming a second round draft pick for the Jaguars. And he had a really good career, but there were years that he wasn't on top of his game. There I, were years that. Jaguars fans, right or wrong, yeah, yeah. wanted him gone. Yeah. I think that you never had that with these other guys. He got a bad rap at the yeah. end of his year he did. because because then he went to Detroit and started for them for like five more years. Yeah. So he, there was a lot. Of, there was a lot at the end of his year, at, at the end of his career, where there was a lot put on him and the players around him. I feel like he had Don Carey. At one point, he sure did. Playing a safety, we've him. had some hella bad safeties oh over the years God. ever since no. that. Courtney Green, Chris Brzezinski. We loved Cor- we loved some of these guys because we just wanted them to be good yeah. so badly. Like you remember, Courtney Green. Could Courtney hit. Green. Yeah, we were saying he was going to knock some quarterbacks out. Yeah, he could hit, but yeah, those guys just didn't really ever get it, get it going. I did see a, a video speaking of Jaguar safeties that didn't really work out. Josh Evans plays for the Redskins. Yeah. I saw like a practice video of him making like an Odell Beckham catch. I was like, how the hell did Josh Evans do that? And where was that when he was starting? 
Well, look at Reggie. The Johnson. majority of the games for the Jets, like people forget, Josh Evans wasn't a backup. Like he started yeah, most of the time yeah. he was here. Wasn't he the the, the free safety? Team? Yeah, he played some free safety. Yeah, Oof. it's crazy to think well, about. Oof. Here's a random one, just because we're on the topic of the the, the pride. Yeah. Does a guy like Mike Hollis ever make it into the pride? I mean, I or think, a Josh Scobie. I think both of them deserve to be yeah, in the pride. I agree. They won big games for the team. They are, you know, Scobie's the team's all-time leading scorer. Hollis is right behind. They both had seasons where they were absolutely dominant. I think Mike Hollis has one of the better um, career percentages. field goal percentages. Yeah. I think, and I know Scobie for a fact has, not for his career, one of the best percentages. But for like four or five different seasons throughout his career, he was up above 90% yeah. as a yeah. kicker for a whole season. So that's, that's just almost like, you know, that's unheard of. You, you might see one guy a year do 90%. And sometimes, some years, you won't even see guys flirt with it. Uh, so it's there's, a, there's some guys that are deserving. I think... I, I will always be a Daryl Smith proponent. <laughs> I want Daryl Smith in the pride. I want Daryl Smith's last five years of his career to be in black and teal. Yeah. I was pissed when we traded him. I was pissed every year after we traded him. He was a guy that should have retired at Jaguar. Not only because he was such a good player in his prime, but because he was such a good player even in his last years. He was just so great for the Ravens, and he was good for the Buccaneers. Uh He's a consummate well, pro, and he's. It's sad. It sucks to me that Puzlesny passed him recently for all-time leading tackler. Because you, you gotta love Puzlesny, but to me, Daryl Smith's my guy. We drafted him. Yeah, he, he was a Jaguar. There's, there's a couple guys like that though. Like Mike Peterson's always gonna have a, play, yeah. a small place. I think Daryl uh, Smith's more important in the history I agree, of the Jaguars. But I'm just talking about like people that have that special place in the Jaguars like fan heart. Like uh, a Kevin Hardy or something. Yeah, like, you're always Hardy gonna, Nickerson. You're always gonna love yeah. those guys. Well, Hardy Nickerson actually, it's kind of hard for us to remember. We were really young when the Jaguars got Hardy Nickerson, but he was a disappointment as a whole. Oh really? Yeah. After he signed from Tampa, he was a because in Tampa he was a Pro Bowl type guy. He came to Jacksonville and was a bit disappointing and was a little well, overpaid. It's also easy when you got Derek Brooks right next to you. Right, but I mean, <laughs> he wasn't bad for us, but he wasn't what he was. But a lot of people saw that as not a great free agent. Yeah, Touch- I liked him when he was. Yeah, there me personally. too. I, I I still remember him. Yeah, touching back on Daryl Smith, um, he was a free agent. We just re- decided not to re-sign him, and um, David Caldwell actually. Spoke spoke out on that about yeah. a year or two later, saying, you know, I maybe kind of overlooked his age. I looked at his age too much and let go of <laughs> probably the best player on the defense at the time. I mean, if he stays in Jacksonville his last few years, he's easily probably the next guy that's most deserving yeah. of the oh, pride. Yeah. And he probably sets a record for tackles that doesn't oh, yeah. pass. Yeah, ever. Yeah, there is. So, I mean, unless Miles Jack just gets on a nice run for the next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we hope for, That's right? That's the plan. <laughs> exactly. Now, or Blair Brown, Telvin Smith. Who knows? I, can see I mean, yeah, Telvin's going to flirt with it. If he sticks Telvin. around for a second contract, he's going to flirt with it. Yeah, if he spends six years here, seven years here, he'll touch it. Let's hope so. Oh, man. That really got I me I feel going, like you man. could like, go with like a pride conversation for so long. Like We could even go into like a... 
which young guy right now do you see in the prime? Yeah. Obviously Jalen, but... Yeah, well, we'll get into which I mean, guys so we see things. as Pro Bowl caliber uh, players this year, which is kind of like a similar sort of conversation there. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But let's move on here. We've already been talking for 30 minutes. We've only touched oh, two whoa. topics. It's just... It's go so fast when you're having so much fun. <laughs> it does, man. Now, now these players obviously are all pretty deserving of being in the pride of the Jaguars. Bold City Brewery's in the pride of Jim Jack. And Jacksonville as a whole. As a whole, absolutely. And we're about to do our Pop Top segment. We've already opened up some uh, beers here. We've got a black IPA, which I like beer a lot. I like going to craft breweries. I had actually never seen a black IPA. Maybe I'm just an idiot or ignorant or a novice. I don't know. But I've never seen it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I mean, it's similar to an IPA, but it has a little bit kind of that, like that like stout, stout feeling yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, body sure. to it. And it's dark like a stout. Uh, tasty beer, though. I, I enjoy it. 6% alcohol by volume. I thought that was 601 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is a... That's just poor handwriting. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> yes, handwriting is maybe not, maybe not Mr. Miller, Kevin Miller's best uh, strong suit, but he's got many other strong qualities. We've also got a Sunshine Saison. We had that on the show last week. That's a much lighter beer, very easy to drink for anyone out there, even those that aren't a real big craft beer fans. And for our Pop Top moment. Pop Top Beer of the Week. We decided to go with the classic. We're doing Duke's Brown Ale. It's really like... I'm excited for this one. Easily <laughs> one of the most famous beers in Jacksonville. Gotta be like top, oh, yeah. top two or three most famous beers from Jacksonville. It's Bold City Brewery's flagship beer. It was a staple for me before they even became a sponsor. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Well, yeah, me too. I love it. Uh, good stuff, so let's go ahead and get to it without further ado. While you're doing that. I got to put a request out to Bold City. A couple years ago, at World of Beer, they released a special like cask version of Dukes. Oh, like, they still do. But it was like with coffee or something. Yeah. And it was the best beer that I've ever had. They still do a lot of stuff with Dukes like that. You just got to like watch out for it. I'm going to ask that they go ahead and do one specially for me. Yeah, I've had, I've had barrel-aged Dukes before, yes. which is really good. Well, it was like a... But you're talking about it has like co- more coffee. Yeah, like when I drank it, it almost tasted like it was like drinking an iced coffee. It was so good. I don't know why. Jesus, Scott, like <laughs> your pouring skills are not up to date. But it was so good. And Dukes, I feel like Dukes has got to be the face of Bold City, really. Yeah, it is. I mean, not only is it its flagship beer, but it's named after their uh, beloved uh, pup, Duke. So. You gotta love anything that's named after dogs. You know, if you don't like dogs, what's your what's your problem? Look at the color in that. That's a, that don't so listen good. to this. It's beautiful. Yes. If you don't like dogs, turn this off, please. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not literally, but <laughs> seriously, turn it off. <laughs> keep let it, let it keep playing and tell like twelve friends about it, and then yeah. just don't listen to it. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, yeah. So we just popped our uh, Dukes here. And not only is it the flagship beer, but part of the other reason I think that it's so identical with, or I, identifiable with Bold City is because of the colors. Duke's brown ale, you know, the branding colors are orange and brown, 
which is the same brand uh, colors as Bold City's logo. So really iconic, great beer. Check them out. BoldCityBrewery.com, at Bold City Brewery on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And of course, at their new location downtown. Absolutely give them a give them a shout and tell them we sent you. They might give you a discount, they might not. But they'll at least be happy that we sent sent them sent you their way. Use code GENJAG10. It won't work. <laughs> it might. Yeah, just walk up to the bar. Uh, GENJAG10? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I, what it means. I heard I get a free keg. No, no. <laughs> we will probably be doing some cool deals with them during football season. Uh, you know, bring in your GENJAG member card on Sundays or uh, bring in your ticket from your game. They'll be doing some cool stuff. Jaguars related in terms of discounts after the games for sure. They're right there now, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. It's It's walking distance, you know. You hit Bold City, you hit Intuition, (sighs) maybe hit whatever your other favorite bar is downtown and enjoy it. Uh, There's always the Jack Sports Tavern too right there, which isn't really like a iconic type of brewery or anything. I think it's like camp. Iconic. I like it. I enjoy it. It's right by the, in between baseball grounds and in between the arena. Uh, It's it's a nice bar. We've stumbled over there many a time oh, yeah. and had a good time. Yeah. So I'm a fan. Shout out to you, Jack Sports Tavern. If you're listening, send us some uh, advertising cash over here. We'll keep doing it for you. We'll bill you. Don't worry. Uh, so Blake Bortles. He likes There's been beer. a lot of talk about his mechanics. What's that? I said he likes beer. He does. I think. I don't know. I've Great never segue. actually seen no. him drink a beer. He might be a liquor guy. I think he's a I'm not guy. sure. I see him being a liquor guy. Fireball. Lots of fireball. Actually, oh, yeah. I know he is yeah, a fireball. He's, he's very public with fireball. I have actually seen uh, the fireball shot from Blake Wardles before. Uh, at Hoptinger. Shout out to you. If you guys want to throw us some money, too. Hey, we're we got the first sponsorship <laughs> everywhere tonight. Spirit on ice. Come on. Send it. <laughs> we're trying. <laughs> we can ice Scott every week. No, <laughs> no, no. Now that sounds like a hell of a... That should be a weekly segment. Yeah. Well... <laughs> <laughs> well, we can discuss details in, in, in further later, but Blake Bortles... There's been so much talk about every aspect of his game this offseason, but the biggest thing that people have been talking about, because the lay person can tell when mechanics look kind of not right. Uh, Anybody can tell that. So people have been talking about the mechanics, but Hunter's been doing some, I don't know, research, talking around, thinking, digging around, just looking at the way we, we talk about quarterback mechanics. And uh, he has some interesting stuff he he thinks is pertinent, and maybe some different ways we should analyze mechanics than what what the everyday writer or fan is doing nowadays. Yeah, it's I mean it's just simple. It's like the everyday fan, for some reason, well not for some reason, but it's ingrained in your brain that if you dip the ball, especially below your numbers, you have a slow release. You're probably gonna have poor mechanics, and that's just. It's simply become not true. And I think we've talked... I've even said, like, he he has some terrible mechanics. Um, But we've never really elaborated on it. And the dipping of the ball is not really what makes you a bad passer. Um, They've done some, you know, I guess research you would call it. But it really goes into the anatomy of the body. When you dip the ball, you're, you're actually inverting your hand down and away. Which is just a a way for a 
some people to rotate their shoulder blades. And it's to open their shoulder blades up so then they can get the power and the motion they need to throw the ball forward at a, a relatively you know suitable velocity. Cause, yeah, because every quarterback you see, eventually their hand is facing the ground yeah. before they actually throw. Some people, yeah, and some people are just better. Like if I'm standing here, y'all looking at me. If I'm able to go up with the ball that you know everybody thinks is the ideal mechanic, some people can't rotate their shoulder blades naturally. It's just not possible with their body. Um, or they have a really tight shoulder. Uh, so Blake is one. Uh, there's a couple that are really bad at it that you never even think about bringing up. Uh, Philip Rivers is one. Terrible. Yeah. And people talked about that more when he was younger, but like it's his success of, just made that go away. Exactly. Um, but he can throw the ball like he throws a million the, different ways. Like every time, it, oh, it's every time you see him throw the ball, it's different looking his He's whole like motion's movies. messed up yeah. but like again that's that's the new thinking it's like we don't want to make you a robot just throw the ball be effective with throwing the ball um, but Brett Favre is another one mm-hmm. terrible like he dropped the ball down really low and you can see it and one that you probably would never think about dropping the ball uh, the ball pretty low below the numbers almost to the belt is Aaron Rodgers and the average Release time for a, a really good quarterback is about 0.42 seconds or somewhere around that. Aaron Rodgers is probably the fastest in the world, and he's around like a 0.38. Yeah, his arm looks like a whip. It, it is. Crazy. And well, that's it's the thing. Crazy. When you when you rotate your, your shoulder blade, you're pretty much creating a rubber band effect, especially with your lower body. It's I mean, And that's what I guess we're going to be touching on is the fact that when you look at a quarterback's mechanics, don't pay attention necessarily to the, the arm. Pay attention to his... His core and down, like his hips and down. If he's able to step with his front foot, a short six-inch step, open his hips, and create that that stretching of the band, and then release it in a very quick, snappy motion, that's what creates good velocity. And then it's simple as if you pay attention to a quarterback's back foot, if his midline of his back foot is facing his target, and there's about an 18-inch hallway is the best way to describe it. Because if you're throwing down a hallway that's 18 inches wide... Yeah, basically, like, you have 18 inches to fit the ball in. Exactly. Yeah. So, if... And you've got to be able to put your back foot midline, so the middle of your back foot, in that area. That's how you tell how accurate a quarterback is. You could have the worst dip. I don't care what the (laughs) dip looks like, but you're going to be able to get the ball out quick if you have good lower body, and you're going to be able to be very accurate if your midline of your back foot's on target. So it's, I mean, just now. Now, do you think just the fact that he drops it so low, um, obviously that can lead to more uh, strip sacks? Yeah, it that can lead to more strip sacks, and I think a big issue is he doesn't have the fastest release. Right. A couple of the ones I was timing today when I was watching the film uh, was he was at about four seven four eight ish. So like. 0.05 seconds behind where it has to be. Yeah, yeah. but there are I know throws. It's a big difference, yeah. There are throws where he's hitting like 0.44 or 0.43. Like he's pretty so quick. He's pretty, there, pretty yeah. much there. There are throws where he's whipping the ball out, but then there's throws where he's slow and kind of really deliberate. Like almost that Byron Leftwich throw. Yeah. You remember that throw? Ugh. Yeah, terrible. Yeah. I know, but. Um, that man is a quarterback coach for Blaine Gabbard and Carson Palmer. <laughs> you know what's about that? is someone said he's probably going to be one of the better NFL coaches. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. I've heard that he's too. got a lot of respect around the league and in Jacksonville too. 
Yeah, and I mean he's smart, but I mean getting back to the quarterback, I, I guess the t- the main topic is what we want to talk about is don't pay attention necessarily to the drop of the ball. Pay attention to the lower body. Mm-hmm. What does his lower body do? Is are his feet and everything really smooth? Like watch Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is never off balance, and he throws the ball from the weirdest angles. He's like, he's just a freak. Yeah. I mean, well, you can't compare. Sometimes he is off balance, and he still gets off the ball. balance. But it's the it's the ability to be balanced with off be, while being off balance. Like control think about, your body while kind of looking like you're off balance. Yeah, but you're knowing where you're knowing how to balance it. Even you can when control you're in your a body situation. Yeah. If you think about the best shortstops and second basemen in baseball, they throw from the weirdest angles. And they're usually throwing in a position that's not ideal. That's what quarterbacks got to be able to do. And Blake Bortles' feet, like you can see it, just aren't quite there. So I think when he was talking about his mechanics needing to tighten up and really fix those, a lot of it was that, yes, he probably wants to release some of the drip, of the drop of the ball, because it's just not effective necessarily. But I think it's the speed of the release and it's his feet placement and his hip drive and all his core activities. I've noticed a lot. Like you could watch last year, and you can see both his his the, the drop of the football and just the way the his body position when releasing the football was a disaster. Yeah, he has no control over his body. Even pretty much is what it looks like. Even this, like just watching the little the little videos that the Jaguars put out that of the the training camp and off season program. To me, it it almost looks. It looks better as far as the, the football drop, yeah. but it also, to me, looks like he's having to use his arm and his shoulder strength to really get the ball to where it's going. It doesn't look as natural as many other quarterbacks in the league. It looks like well, he's relying on his he's arm. Not, he's not that guy. natural. And I, don't, yeah. and I think that's an, overrated, that's an overrated thing. I think people blew that out of proportion a little bit. Um, well, it's easy to blow it out of proportion when your quarterback says well, he's not yeah. a natural thrower. Like, it's like Barry Bonds saying, I'm just not a natural hitter. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make sense. So, but, Blake no, Bortles is Barry Bonds. No, you, you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. but, so, Blake Bortles is on? Uh, yeah. We're not going to go <laughs> But, I just think that... Has his head looked a little bit big lately? <laughs> no, just a little bit. No, but, um, That's because of the loss of hair. I think when you look <laughs> Sorry, at Blake. it, look at, if you look at the best quarterbacks in the NFL... Like, name the top three guys. Take top four guys. Rodgers, Brady, let's go Ryan. Just because he was Ryan, the best Matt Ryan? Yeah. All three of them, if they were to take their shirts off and walk out on, like, a spring break, you know, <laughs> yeah. be, uh, beach, would you think they're going to be, like, top of the line looking guys? They're, like, dead Tom Bra- guys. Tom, dead by guys, right? Tom Brady's combine workout. Exactly. Uh, and that is cool. where a lot of it has switched. Like, people... You don't have to look that great. You don't have to be overly, overly muscular. People think you need to be really strong in a lot of places. It's not necessarily about being strong. It's about being have functional strength. And if your core is really strong, you could be flabby looking as much as you want. But if you're functionally strong... The strength is there. Yeah, with throwing the ball, you're going to be good. And I think that's a lot of what he's trying to work on, is not necessarily trying to look as good. And not trying to. He does. He did trim down though. You can he, tell he, he yeah, looks he's better. Yeah, he thinned down. He's not quite as bulky looking. Um, and I think a lot of his training camp, or the mini camp stuff is he looked a lot more, maybe not natural, but he looked a lot looser with mm-hmm. how he was delivering. Everything just kind of happened, um, and that's that's big. When you're not forcing a throw, you're just letting the throw happen. Yeah. Is it is it something to be concerned about? As over the past couple of years, there's been talks about potentially some shoulder stress. The and shoulder. overthrowing and stuff, and that's that's more what I was touching on about 
<clears throat> having to rely on just pure arm strength as far as, as far, instead, instead of drive, setting your lower yeah. body. If you if you're a quarterback and you have shoulder issues, you have that is a bad throwing motion mm-hmm. because. When you throw a ball, your elbow should always pass the shoulder and clear your shoulder before you release, which takes all the stress off your shoulder. I should be able to throw a ball for 12 days straight and never really feel shoulder strain. Elbow maybe because the torque sometimes on the elbow is very stressful, but you should never have a shoulder issue unless you are kind of slinging it. If yeah. you're just slinging it almost like a rock or a baseball, then you're going to have shoulder stress. So I think that's a lot to do also with uh, the mechanics. Like, I'm dripping the drooping the ball, so when I, I drop the ball so much, when I go to throw it, my shoulder's leading my hand and my elbow. So when I come through, I'm kind of like throwing it almost like a, like a javelin or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like where you, that hand really follows behind the shoulder. Yeah. So. Well. I mean, another thing I think if you're really trying to keep an eye on it this year, just watch how precise his dropback is. That's one of his yeah. biggest things, especially in this offense. They've all talked about it, is timing. And he hasn't yeah. been a timing quarterback yeah. so far, but a lot of that has to do with him getting that footwork right and having that dropback be super precise. Mm-hmm. And so he, that's another thing to watch. He has happy feet sometimes. Like, you'll see it when he gets a rush. He gets all kind of jerky and like happy feet looking and he doesn't really his body doesn't necessarily want to follow his feet he needs to get that Peyton Manning bounce like you know Peyton Manning he's always jumping he's always jump. just bouncing around <laughs> right. looking and the problem is like we could literally sit here for the whole hour and we could break down the mechanics and everything about it but you know maybe another time yeah I mean <laughs> we've got some other stuff to get into today but yeah if y'all are interested definitely let us know we can definitely do some more uh, mechanics talk with Bortles and talk about some more specific things. Uh, <clears throat> we'll go ahead and do our shameless plug. This is the Gen Jag podcast. You can find us online at genjag.com, on Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar, on Twitter at Generation Jag. And make sure to check out our membership package. Uh, still going strong. 40 bucks right now. You get to Eat and drink for free at every Jaguars home game tailgate. Get a t-shirt, member card, a koozie, sticker, discounts at local restaurants, all sorts of fun stuff. And uh, again, you can find that at genjag.com. If you're looking for a place to sit this year, you can sit with us in our section, section 216. You can find out more information about that at genjag.com slash gameday.html. And... Uh, Give us any feedback that you have on either our membership program or our seating section. Anything you've got, let us know. We're very receptive to any suggestions. Now, we have got to get into our PFF Minute. The Pro Football Focus released a lot of Jaguars graphics this week. And so this is going to be more than a minute, but we're going to get into it. So the most interesting one, in my opinion is the PFF just recently ranked all the 2017 offensive lines heading into training camp. And they have the Jaguars ranked as the 13th best offensive line. Now maybe, because that just seems extremely high, maybe we really should read PFF ranks the Jaguars the uh, 
17th or 18th worst offensive line. Yeah. Because basically my point being is offensive line play is down in the NFL. There's not a lot of elite offensive lines or even good ones for that matter. To have the Jaguars rank 13th, and have the Cowboys ranked ninth. I was about to say that. My That's goodness. Crazy. The Cowboys are widely viewed as, you know, top two or three at worst. You might have the Titans and the Raiders competing with them. The, they have the Eagles. Eagles at number one. Number one. Okay, they've got talent. And the there. Browns at number two. They spent a too, lot of money. They spent a lot of money. Too. They've got Joe Thomas. They've got our boy Zeitler. Uh, so, yeah, fair. But 13 for the Jaguars. What do we think? It, to me, it seems a bit shocking at first when you look at it, but then when you actually look into the article and see we're, we're in front of teams like Minnesota, Kansas City, New Orleans, and then you go on and on and you look and just, these are offensive lines where you're like, yeah, you know, I, I guess I can see that we're, we have a little bit better talent than them, but... It's, to me, it seems that the, the offensive line play in the NFL is so top-heavy yeah. that putting us at number 13 isn't crazy because the people behind us are that much are just that They're just bad. not good. I mean, I, and you look at it, Brandon Linder, he's top five at his position. Yeah. That helps that offensive oh, yeah. line group out a lot. Brandon Albert was not good in PFF, according to PFF last year. Cam Robinson doesn't have PFF stats because he's a rookie. Uh AJ Can was in the seventies in PFF rankings. Omame had a good year. Yeah, Omame was, was, was decent. Um, Parnell was in the seventies too. So like all these guys were just like, except for Linder, all of them were just meh. But they weren't like terrible. Like yeah. PFF ratings in the forties or fifties and stuff like that. So I guess you know, thirteen is there's not a lot of complete offensive lines in the NFL. Yeah. There really aren't. It's crazy. There's not a lot of great great ones or good ones. That doesn't surprise me. I mean, Hunter, I think Hunter likes our offensive line more than most. Well, and when I you just, look at the depth, you really do got to like the depth on the Jaguars' offensive line. I think it's an issue with the offensive line play in the, the whole. In, yeah, yeah, in the in league. league. Like, it's it's so bad. And we've, talked, we've touched on it before with the lack of practice, the lack of pads. Like, you're not going to be as good. And not not only that, just look at the college game. Look at the the the, the average play. It's okay, hit a guy. Look at like the Baylor's. Yeah, I the think Oklahoma's. I think that might be <laughs> Ohio State's now. I think that might be a little bit almost overrated with that conversation. I understand it. Like, yeah, the balls come out so quick, and you know, even with the NFL, like the pass game is so prominent. But at the same time. If you don't practice, like, you can still be physical. I could share yeah. plenty of videos of pass protection that's very physical. Any anybody can be physical. Look at Tyron Smith. My God. Yeah. Luke Jokel at Texas A and M with Johnny uh, Johnny Manziel. He was number two overall, just based on potential. I just, because you 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 saw what he was almost capable of, but you you didn't see it week in and week out. Yeah, it's just I just think the overall play in the NFL is getting. It is. deteriorated. It like, is. you don't know any names. Dude, Tyron Smith, though, that guy, I swear, he stands up to any of those guys he's, from the 90s. Oh, he's, he's, he's a freak. He's a freak. Uh, now, PFF's trying to make a couple uh, Jaguars some money here. TJ Yeldon, 
third best drop rate. And when you say drop rate, that sounds like negative. But basically it means out of all running backs in the NFL in 2016. <laughs> and out of all running backs in the NFL in 2016, TJ Yeldon, his drop rate was third best. He was only behind LaShawn McCoy and DeMarco Murray, who are both excellent receivers out of the backfield. And that just kind of furthers the thought that the thought that TJ Yeldon is really equipped to be an elite third down back in the NFL. What do you guys think about Yeldon being... I mean, I've said from the start that I think Yeldon is uh, a great third down back. I mean, he's, he's, that's what he did. Look at one of his most famous plays in college was him catching a little screen, winning a game against you know LSU. Like that's what he is as a back. Yes, yeah. he can run the ball fairly effectively. He's pretty twitchy with inside the tackles, but his best feature is that he can catch the ball. He's a pretty good route runner for a running back, and I yeah. think that's a you know he's not very he's pretty underrated in that aspect. I like. That's a dangerous weapon to have out of the backfield, I especially think, in the NFL. Yeah, I think he led led the Jaguars in receptions and targets in a game last year. He did. He had 11 catches in a game last year, I think. I think that's a compliment to him and a condemnation of the rest of, of the, the coach. Well, I would say the, the rest of call. the team. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, I mean, he's got great hands. You know, he's he's got the shiftiness. He can make, make the first guy miss usually. Yeah. Yeah. And he showed that look like look at his rookie year. He made guys with a muddled line with guys in his face constantly. He would just make something out of nothing. Yeah. And have success with it. Now there's another Jaguar that Pro Football Focus has featured. Aaron Colvin gave up the fewest yards allowed per completion in the NFL last year at six point nine yards per completion. And that was significantly better than anybody behind him. Now Colvin's going to be up for a new contract, and you know he's confident in himself. You know his agents and him are tweeting back and forth this BFF stuff. They're like, oh, we just made some money. (laughs) Now he's got to back it up again in 2017, but Colvin, the more and more you look at him, the more and more you think he might be a real stud. Colvin is going to be the best corner that Jaguars fans will ever see for only like two years. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like how, I have a bad how feeling. How do they keep him? Yeah, I don't think you can. And that's the bad thing. I think he plays for another year or so, and then bye-bye. He's probably one of the top two, maybe three at worst corners. Especially if he's Come, if, yeah, if as a he, free agent. Yeah, I mean, if he has a year, year like this. I just think I, I think yeah, he's... Yeah, he picks off a few balls, jeez. He's going to be... Well, he, he's got to get his first one to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> he's got to get do something. You know he's a guy that has the playmaking ability. Yeah. Even if it hasn't always shown up yet. Well, if he didn't tear his ACL, he's a first-round, second-round draft pick. Yeah, no question. Oh, there's a lot of first- and second-round draft picks that aren't in the league. I understand <laughs> that. That's true. Yeah. So, Especially I mean, some Jaguars ones. He's, oh, he's, well, they're in the league. He's, he's, I'm not as bullish on him. I think he's a solid nickel corner. I think he's going to be an elite nickel corner. I agree, but I think that's what he is. He's, yeah, I don't well, think I think you need him like an elite. I think he's a weak like to side me corner. like an elite nickel corner in the NFL is like almost more important. Six it's man almost a start. In basket. Yeah. it's like your six man in basketball. That's a good yeah. That's and excellent. like if you have an elite sixth man, that can change your season outlook. Yeah. 
like when the Rockets picked up Lou Williams and and the NBA last year, they went off. Yeah, Lou, like you, if you have that guy that isn't your future guy, but and he's he can absolutely a, make plays, and he's basically a starter. Yeah, I the the thing about him is though, like I think he is a, a number one or two, probably number two corner on the team, like. Yeah, I, I think, think he will be. He's a really... Somebody's going to pay him to do I don't that. think people understand how good he is. I just... I don't know what it is. I don't know if he, he hasn't quite fit. Or maybe he kind of got shoved to the nickel and people have almost forgot about him. But one, the nickel in the NFL, you play nickel 80 to 90% it's, of it's the time. It's basically a So yeah. you're pretty much a starter. At, at the extreme side of it. At the low side of it, well, maybe the average, 70%. The average yeah. last year was like 75 to 80% yeah. of the time. The nickel defense is on yeah. the field. But I think he's a weak side corner. Like, he, I, I like him. Yeah. I like him since we drafted him. I wish we could keep him. I just we might be able to. Who knows? It just might not. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it'll be super likely though. No, I just don't think it's gonna be feasible. Now, Calais Campbell finished number twenty-two in the PFF fifty, which is essentially Pro Football Focus's version of the NFL Top One Hundred. They just cut it in half. Hmm. Uh, and the Top One Hundred, I believe, Campbell finished number eighty-four. So he wouldn't have even been in the top fifty in that. For him to be number twenty-two out of all NFL players. According to Pro Football Focus, he good. That's impressive. I mean, regardless of what Pro Football Focus says, when a guy gets eight and a half sacks and he's just getting all sorts of passes deflected to the line, blocked field goals, he's good against the run. He's just a solid football player and a great leader. So, again, we talk about Campbell. At least seems like every week, but you can't say enough about the guy. I mean, you really can't. <laughs> now. They also, at Pro Football Focus, released the uh, cornerbacks with the most pass breakups by a rookie in 2016. Of course, none other than Jalen Ramsey was on top of that list. Of course. And then now they just released uh, the best inside linebackers at pass rushing in the NFL. And Paul Puzlesny was second on that list, correct? Correct. And who was number one? Was it Bobby Wagner? I know third was uh, Cameron Kirksey, the guy who just got the huge contract from, uh, from, uh, Cleveland? from Cleveland. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, that's a guy I did not even know until this offseason. Yeah, yeah and, Bobby Wagner. Yeah. And Bobby Wagner was way more effective than anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Paul Puzlesny was, was in second in productivity, and Bobby Wagner was at 23.5, whereas Puzlesny is at 16.8. So, like, that's a big difference. And, and, and pass rush productivity <laughs> measures pressure on a per-snap basis, weighing towards sacks. And as a team that doesn't really blitz much, it just means when we sent him, he was effective. Yeah. I'll say that. Now, we're actually going to have to cut out a few segments and move them to next week here because we're running out of time. We're already hit an hour here. So we are going to go ahead and wrap our show up here with Keep One, Let One Walk. AJ Boye versus Cam Robinson. What do we got? We've got the cornerback. You weren't joking. (laughs) The cornerback, who is a recent signee from Houston, coming off, according to PFF, the second best season from any cornerback last year. And uh, you've also got the Jaguars' second round pick, offensive tackle Cam Robinson. Where do we go? Go ahead, Scott. I went first last week. To me, Take the guy who is the potential future left tackle. Take the guy who 
protects the quarterback, the most important position on the football field, no matter who it is. I think A.J. Boye, I gushed about him last year. I think he's a great football player. But Jalen Ramsey is the dude that you are keeping in that secondary above all. Yeah, like, I would, like, that's a great point. I would keep Jalen Ramsey, like, if I had to pick between Jalen Ramsey and anybody and else. The, no, the three other guys. Yeah. Back the, oh, yeah. If, if I could keep Tashawn Gibson, Barry Church, and A.J. Boye, or just keep Ramsey. I would just keep Ramsey. Give me, really? give me the dog. Yes. Give me I'm the superstar. Absolutely. Give me the guy who's up. <laughs> I love, I love me some Jalen Ramsey, and I completely yeah. agree. But get, I think Cam, they drafted Cam Robinson early in the second round. He is going to be the guy that takes the position from Brandon Albert. Brandon Albert, he's in camp. He's got to get himself into shape. He's he should be the left tackle, but the Jaguars are praying that. Cam Robinson just takes it from him. I think you I don't know if they're praying that. I would well, like okay. to see it though. I would certainly like you to You would see hope it. so. Yeah. But I mean, every single team in the NFL is looking for a left tackle. Because as we touched on earlier in the episode, offensive line play is not really that great in the NFL right now. No, it's if you can sad. find a Tyron Smith anywhere in the draft, the teams would give up everything to get that. Tyron Smith, yeah. I mean, I mean, he's a generational talent. I'm not saying that, that he will be that. Yeah. But a left basically quarterback's number 1. You it's a toss up between left tackle and defensive end, the pass rusher. Yeah, I think as number right. 2 on the team. Cornerbacks are close by. Cornerbacks are close. Cornerbacks They're probably number 3. Teams. Yeah. It's so all I mean, about the passing game. To me, I just think Cam Robinson that has, he's got the body, he's got the physicality to be a franchise left tackle. So many teams are looking for that. I just think it's a combination of skill and position of need. It matches perfectly. He's not forced into the position this year. He can have some time to learn, soak it in, learn from Brandon Albert, who is should be the starter, but might not be because yeah because of Cam Robinson. It's definitely in the air right now. It's up in the air. It's just give me the young guy who could be the 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 face of that offensive line. I give me Cam Robinson, Mr. Evans. Damn. One vote for Cam <laughs> Robinson. You're yeah. tossing into an Alabama fan. <laughs> I know that's way. tough because are we t- like I feel like it's such a toss up because. If I'm talking about like next year, who do I want most? I'm a well, yeah, but yeah. not this. Keep one, let one walk is not a one year. I know, that's you gotta problem. play GM. Yeah. Uh, Are you gonna cut the I'm guy gonna, we just signed? That's, <laughs> oh my god! I, go Jordan. I'll, I'll go. Can I go after you? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm fine with that. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm fine with that. Um, so I would take. I would take Cam Robinson. Sorry, we've got a disturbance over here. Someone's trying to come in the door. Interesting. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, I would take Cam Robinson because of the position and because, yes, your second cornerback is important, but Jalen's the guy, like Scott said. And you're basically picking between a second. 
a second round pick, a current this year rookie second round pick, and a 26 year old who's coming off of one good season, never really shined prior to 2016. People always try to kind of shove that under the rug because they just want Boye to be yeah. what we want, and we think Boye is going to be really good, but. Uh, you never know how that goes. So I'm taking Robinson. I'm taking the young gun. I think everything in uh, Robinson's past suggests that he's going to be an elite NFL player. He's been an elite college player, elite prospect coming out of high school. Even Nick Saban said. Nick Saban thinks he's, 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 he's as good an NFL prospect as they've ever had. That's crazy. My turn? Yep. Uh I'm going to go completely unbiased, too, because originally I probably would have picked Boye, but I'm going to pick Cam Robinson. Yep. Um, I think, just as you were talking, I was thinking about like just random thoughts, and the fact that I said that I think Aaron Colvin could be a second corner yeah. leads me to think that I can let Boye walk and be okay tomorrow. Yeah, like, like hypothetically years. as a GM, if you were going to let Boye go for whatever reason right now... You would have Colvin sitting there right yeah. behind him to play. So. And I think in this day and age, cornerbacks, and it's going to sound probably bad, but cornerbacks, I think, are becoming a dynam- dime of a dozen style of position. Like, yes, it's a pass-happy league, and I think that you need passing, uh, you need a you know passing style defense. But at the same time, I think you can structure your defense to uh, protect yourself against a weaker second corner. Um, and I think you can be very effective on defense with a physical def- with a very physical defense and not have a really stellar second corner. Yeah. Um to cuz even like it's, at, this is going to sound crazy. It's actually me and a guy that I coached with a couple years ago, probably 4 years ago, were having an not even an argument, a conversation about how unimportant the cornerback position is in general in the NFL. That we thought safeties were more important. And I still think they kind of are. But I think the emergence of the cornerbacks being so effective on defense makes this a hard topic. Okay, look look at look at Seattle. Richard Sherman has been the dude. Across from him has been what? Browning. He Browning. flamed yeah, out. Yeah, there's he been a revolving door Seattle. a little bit. Maxwell, he flamed out in in Philadelphia. And they're still considered one of the top five defenses and secondaries in they the have the best strong safety and free safety combination yeah when you got Earl exactly by far. exactly yeah. but I think <laughs> combined with a top three corner yeah Cam yeah. Robinson oh, yeah. I think Cam Robinson is gonna be the guy in five years if you let him go would be like shit <laughs> like, yeah. we let that go he'll be the new Keenan yeah. <laughs> and it all comes and, around and we'd like to remind everyone we're not trying to make any sort of assumption that we would have to the Jaguars would have to keep AJ Boyd or Cam Robinson and not the other. This is just a uh, activity that kind of tests where we think each player really stands in terms of their importance for the team. Now there's some stuff we weren't able to get into this week, so we'll get into it for you next week. We want to look at offensive roster spots that are up for grabs. Look at some guys that might not make the roster that you would think probably should be on the team. So we'll look at that. We'll look at the uh, AFC South wide receiver position as a whole and look at each team and their situation at wide receiver. And we'll also next week take a look at um, Jaguars that have 
Pro Bowl potential in 2017. That's going to pretty much do it for our show. Again, you can follow Scott Klein at ScottKlein1 on Twitter, Hunter Evans at CoachH underscore Evans. You can follow myself, Jordan DeLugo, at Jordan DeLugo. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-D-E-L-U-G-O. All one word, no nothing, no underscores. Nobody else has your name. That's right. I am the only Jordan DeLugo that I know of. So if you're listening out there and you know of a different Jordan DeLugo, I'd love to hear about that. But I doubt it because I've I've done some research. I've never found another one. So, uh, again, check us all out on Twitter. You can check out Jim Jag on our website. We've got all the latest video news analysis. And uh, make sure to check out our sponsors, Bold City Brewery at boldcitybrewery.com, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bold City Brewery. And if you have not become a member yet of Jen Jag, check out the membership page. Also, check out our Believer Since Weaver shirts that we just dropped. Those are on the websites. If you're a long-suffering Jaguar fan, you can obviously appreciate some, uh, some Wayne Weaver, Dolores Weaver love, some Believer Since Weaver. So check it out. And uh, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening to us today. We appreciate everyone's support. Uh, we love getting any feedback that you guys have. So please let us know. Anything you guys would like to hear us talk about, anything like that. Without further ado, that's going to do it for the show. Have a great day, Duval, and go Jaguars. Thanks so much for listening to the Gen Jag Podcast with your host, Jordan DeLugo. Online at GenJag.com. Twitter at Generation Jag. Facebook and Instagram at Generation Jaguar. Blogging. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.